Good morning, everybody. Doing all right today? Ooh, that feels like it's coming through nice and loud. Everybody's doing good? Nice. Good to see you this morning. We're thrilled that you're in church today. Is anybody grateful for the presence of God that is here with us today during our worship time? Man, what a privilege, what a treat, what a joy it is that we don't just come together to sing some songs, but that we come to praise and honor and worship our God. And guess what? He's here with us. What an amazing thing by the grace of God. We're so grateful that he is here, obviously. We're also grateful that you are here today. And we just want to take a moment and say something that we love to say in every single one of our services. And that is simply welcome. If you are new to the bridge, if this is your first time here, or maybe you're even newer and you've been around for a little bit, but you haven't quite gotten connected just yet, Welcome. We're thrilled that you're here today. We would love to meet you before the day is over. We hope that you enjoy yourself, that you have a good time, that you meet some of the amazing people that call the bridge home. But more than that, we hope that you have an encounter with God. We hope that you enjoy your time here this morning. But we would love to meet you before you go today. So I just want to personally invite you. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here at the bridge. I want to personally invite you. Stop by the info center and say hi to our team that serves there. They would love to meet you to tell you more about church life, what's going on in church life, and how it is that you can get plugged in and connected here at the bridge. It means a lot to us that you're here today, and we want to make sure to do our very best to uh, just personally greet you, welcome you, and help you in any way that we can. Thanks again for being here today. We really are grateful that you're here. If you're a regular part of the bridge, would you join me? Let's put our hands together this morning and welcome all of our guests today. Awesome. Before we get into the Word of God, why don't we pray this morning and just invite God's presence. Father, we thank you that you are here with us. We acknowledge that you're here with us. And God, when we come to you, we say all the time that we want you to have your way. But this morning, God, I recognize that in order for you to have your way, I have to lay down my way. I have to lay down my will sometimes to see that your kingdom come and your will is done in my life. So this morning, we lay ourselves down. We open our lives. We open our hearts. We ask that you would speak to us. Let your word illuminate the path and the road of our life so that we can hear from you, walk toward you, and draw near to you in every area of life today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. 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 If you have your Bible this morning, would you meet me in Proverbs chapter 15? Proverbs chapter 15. This morning, I want to bring you a message called Winding Upward. Winding Upward. That's a bit of a different title, I know. It's kind of a a weird phrase, winding upward, but you'll see what it means here in just a moment when we jump in to the Scripture. One of the things that I really love about the Bible is that throughout Scripture, we see various writers in the Bible establish themes that carry on throughout Scripture. And one of the things that's really cool about it is that many of the themes that are established in Scripture will be established by one writer, but then continued by other writers. And if you go way back hundreds and even thousands of years ago, there are many books that were comprised, letters that were comprised in the Bible, where someone who was talking about one specific theme might not have been familiar with the writers of the other books that would one day go into the Bible. Yet God divinely inspired these writers to carry on These themes. And I think this is one of the kind of evidences of the fact that the Bible, the scriptures, are divinely influenced by God. They're divinely spoken. I've heard it said that the Bible has one author, God, comprised of many writers. God inspired these many writers to comprise these books and letters that we now have as our Bible. And today I want to talk about one of those themes with you. There's a theme that we see established in Proverbs chapter 15, and this is a passage and really a verse, one specific verse of Scripture that it meant a whole lot to me when I first got into ministry. And year after year, as I go through my one-year Bible or in other readings, when I find myself coming to Proverbs chapter 15, 
I always find myself just looking at this passage of Scripture, again, this one particular verse, and just admiring the theme that's established that carries on throughout the rest of the Bible. I want to show this to you today and explain a little bit further this theme that we see in the Bible when this topic of winding upward. This is what it says in Proverbs 15 and verse 24. The way of life winds upward. Everybody say upward. The way of life winds upward for the wise. The second half of that verse says that he may turn away from hell below. That's kind of a harsh reality, right? Now, if you're newer in your faith or maybe you don't have a faith in Jesus today, I just want to make this very clear. This might come out as a bit of a harsh reality, but here's the thing. As Christians, we believe from the Bible in a literal heaven, a reward that awaits us who put our faith in Christ, who repent of our sins, who accept his atoning sacrifice at the cross, who choose to live a life of discipleship. There is a reward that awaits us in eternity in this place called heaven, a literal heaven. But the opposite is also true that we believe in a literal hell, a place of punishment for those who reject the good news, the sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice of Christ. Now, again, that might sound a little bit harsh, but here's the thing. You don't have to worry about it if you just choose the path that God has for your life. If you accept the sacrifice of Jesus, turn and repent from your ways and live a life of discipleship. So Solomon, King Solomon, was the writer of Proverbs chapter 15. He doesn't want us to live in fear. He says there's a better way. But when he writes out this particular verse of scripture, he paints this really interesting picture. He says the path of life winds upward for the wise. What is the path of life? It's the path that leads us to God's very best in our lives and then when this life comes to end. Does everybody understand that this morning? The path of life is God's best for our life. It leads us upward toward him and then when this life is over, we will spend all of eternity in heaven with him. That's the path of life winding upward. But then he says that he may turn from the hell below. So we have a path that leads upward, a hell that's below, and here we are here in the middle. And here we are on earth having to choose which direction we're going to walk. Now, what's interesting about this is that every single one of us will have this choice. Which direction am I going to walk? Or more specifically, if I want to follow in God's way, will I choose to do the uphill climb toward everything that God has for me? Will I choose the climb that goes uphill in God's direction? Or why settle for the path of least resistance and the road that leads downward? I think that there are many of us, sadly, that when we come into a relationship with God, we're told about the good news of the sacrifice that Jesus made. We're told about the, you know, the atonement for our sins. We're told about the purpose that God has for our life. And so we say yes to Jesus. I repent. I turn from my ways and I focus on you. God, I accept you. Jesus, I accept you into my life. But for a lot of us, what we want right there is for God to give the, us throughout the rest of our life the path of least resistance, the easy path, the path that's kind of the downhill stroll rather than the uphill climb. We want God to lead us into the easiest things in life. We want God to bless us that we don't even have to try. We don't even have to work. But guess what? That's not reality, is it? Because when we choose to follow Jesus, we're going to walk down a path that sometimes is going to have a little bit of resistance. Has anybody found this before? Scripture actually gives us all kinds of evidence as to why there's resistance. We'll talk about the different kinds of resistance that we face here in just a moment, but I want to make sure that we all understand this and that we can all get our head around the idea that God is calling us upward, but sometimes when we fall on our own desires and our own nature, we tend to want to take the path of least resistance. I watched an interesting video the other day, and I saw this really cool video on YouTube about this guy who leads tours or tourists on these treks up to Everest Base Camp. 
And the way that these treks go is that these people will fly in from all over the world into Kathmandu, which is the, the capital city of Nepal. And from Kathmandu, they will do this trek up to Everest Base Camp. Now, I want to distinguish between these two things really quick. The hike, the climb to the top of Everest is crazy, okay? Like, you've got to be in really good shape to do it. You have to really know what you're doing because literally people die trying to get to the top of Mount Everest. But as I was watching this video, there are groups of tourists who, if you're in good enough shape, you can do this trek up to Everest Base Camp. And I found this to be a really interesting journey because I was like, why would people just want to go to base camp instead of the top of the mountain? Well, the top of the mountain's a big, big risk. But if you're willing to do the trek, you will get to see views of Everest that you will only see if you make that walk, if you make that climb, and if you make that journey. But they talk about how it's not something that's just for the casual tourist who's a little bit out of shape. No, you got to know what you're doing, and you got to be in pretty good shape if you want to do this trek up to Everest Base Camp. Now, let me just explain this to you a little bit further. This trek starts in Kathmandu, and Kathmandu, the capital city of Nepal, the city itself has an elevation of 4,600 feet. Now, that's a pretty significant elevation for a city, but you got to understand that's not even as high as the city of Denver. The entire city of Denver sits well above a mile above sea level. But the reason why it's fascinating is because Everest is the tallest peak in the world, and Kathmandu really isn't anywhere near as high as the peak of Everest. So the trek just from Kathmandu to base camp is incredibly strenuous. In fact, if you want to go from Kathmandu and do that trek up to base camp, you're going to go from 4,600 feet up to 17,600 feet. It's a difference of 13,000 feet in elevation. Now, in my mind, I don't really understand the way that this goes. I'm thinking, okay, you go and you do this in a couple of days. No, 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 no. That's not the way that it works. Because the trips that people take from Kathmandu up to Everest Base Camp are usually 12-day trips. I'm thinking, like, how many vacation days do I have? Do I even have that many to give away? I mean, 12 days. But here's what was most interesting, the thing that I found about the 12-day journey. The 12-day journey wasn't to get there. The 12-day journey was to get there and back. Because it takes eight days to get there, but only four days to get back. Why? Because the trip going up when you're facing the altitude and facing the pressure and fighting against gravity is extremely strenuous. But the way down, it's kind of a breeze. It's not so hard, it's not so difficult, and it's not so strenuous. And that picture to me is a perfect illustration of the life that God is calling us to. Sometimes in life we are going to face resistance if we want to follow Jesus. But are we going to go for what God has for us, the very best, the path of life that he has? Or are we going to settle for the path of least resistance, which is the downhill path that leads to destruction? It's up to us. And we talk about that idea of gravity. Let me just take it a little bit further and use kind of a play on words. We know what gravity is, right? Now, I'm not a scientist, so I'm not going to try to explain to you the scientific ways in which gravity like, operates because I don't fully understand it. But here's what I do know, something that we're all taught from the time we're kids. What goes up must come down. If I climb up to the top of this building and I step out on the edge of the, the concrete walls around this building, I'm standing there and I'm attached to the roof of this building, but as soon as I take a step out with one foot and then the next, guess what? I'm not going to stay at the same height. I'm going to fall to the ground because the weight of gravity will bring me down. It's a law of this world. It's a law of nature. And one of the things that I found in life is that spiritually speaking, we as Christians oftentimes find ourselves fighting against the spiritual laws of gravity that exist in this world. Because scripture says that we are born with a sinful, fallen nature. 
That means that from the time that I am born until the day that my, I accept Christ into my life, I repent of my sins, and I, my sins have been redeemed and atoned for because of that decision. That means that up until that point, I am always going to be subject to the laws, the spiritual laws of gravity, where I'm always continuing to fall because of my own nature and my own desires and my own flesh. Does that make sense to everybody? All of us will have to fight against the laws of gravity in our spiritual life that are wanting to continually bring us down. But God is calling us to defy that gravity of our fallen nature and walk upward. Solomon said, the way of life winds upward for the wise that we may turn from the hell that is below. And the reality is that following Jesus isn't always going to be the path of least resistance. Sometimes following Jesus is going to be a bit of a climb rather than just a downhill stroll. Sometimes following Jesus is going to be meaning making tough decisions, going against the flow, denying ourselves, and going against that path of least resistance and embracing the climb. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. In other words, anybody can walk on that road. Why? Because it's broad and it's wide and it's easy to get on and it's easy to follow. But then he goes on and he says, and there are many who go by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. What did Jesus say? If you want to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross and come follow me. Now, I'm not saying this to make it sound as though following Jesus is the worst decision. Following Jesus is the best decision you could ever make. Amen. Following Jesus is the best decision that you could ever make in your life. But sometimes going against the flow of what the world around us says and the patterns of this world say can be a difficult climb. And sometimes we have to go against the things that are resisting that direction. Now, we also see this idea of God calling us to greater and better and higher play out throughout other parts of the Old Testament. I'll read this to you very briefly. This is what Isaiah said in Isaiah 55. He said, seek the Lord while he may be found. Remember Solomon paints that picture. He says, heaven above, hell beneath. We're here in the middle on earth. It's the same idea. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. In other words, the wicked and unrighteous, they'll forsake the ways and the thoughts of the Lord. Let him turn to the Lord or repent and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, he will abundantly pardon. That's talking about the grace and the mercy of our God if we will turn from our ways and follow in his direction, the place where he's leading us. Verse 8 says, and this is the passage that we all know so well, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher, everybody say higher. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. When you see the word ways throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, both, both places, in the Hebrew and in the Greek, it means roads or paths. The path that I have for your life is higher. The ways that I have in mind for your life, they're higher. And we have to choose to get on God's higher path, but we have to embrace and recognize that sometimes that path is not the downhill stroll. Instead, it's the uphill Climb. Why? Because his ways, they're higher than our ways. His thoughts, they're higher than our thoughts. Now, I want to talk about the same theme in the New Testament for just a moment and really bring it home and talk about how we apply this 
to our lives. But at this point in the message, it's really important that we kind of identify. So we talk about resistance. We talk about like things, you know, going against us and that path, that climb toward the upward call of God in our life. How, what, what kind of resistance are we going to face in our life? I think there's three specific kinds of resistance that we will deal with as Christians. I want to just point these out really quick. We're not going to dwell on them for a long time. But I think we can all identify these three kinds of resistance that we will face in our walk with God. Number one, the schemes of the devil. Has anybody found that the devil did not like it when you decided to follow Jesus? Come on, only a few of us. The devil did not like it when we decided to follow Jesus. And that's defined in one of the most famous passages of Scripture. John chapter 10, Jesus said, The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants you to take that road, that wide road, to destruction. The one that's the path of least resistance that leads downhill. That's the road that he wants you to go down. But then Jesus went on, and what did he say? But I have come that you may have life. The path of life winds upward for the wise. If we will choose the path of life that God has for us, it might be a climb, but what we'll find is that in this life and the life that is to come, it will be worth it. So one of the kinds of adversity that we will face, resistance that we will face, is the schemes of the devil. We see it right there in John chapter 10. Listen, sometimes there are things that happen in life that aren't the devil's fault, but sometimes it's our fault. Like, am I the only one who's ever made a mistake? Sometimes when I pray to God and I think about, like, needing grace in my life, it's easy for me to think that grace only applies to the things that, where I need God to intervene because of something the devil's doing to me. No, sometimes I need grace to intervene because of something that I've done to me. A bad choice that I've made. I mean, let's just be honest for a moment. We are human beings with a fallen nature. And yes, we need to walk away and resist that fallen nature. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do that. But here's the deal. I need grace for the bad decisions that I make. Because not everything is just the things that the devil is doing to me. A lot of the times, it's the stuff that I'm doing to me. The mistakes that I've made. So we talked about the schemes of the devil. What about this? What about the pressures around us to conform to the ways of this world? I mean, all of us as Christians, we know what this is like. The world has a way of doing things. And yet when we go against that way, we face this pressure that says, whoa, you're a standout, you're different, you're not doing things the way that this world does things, you're doing things a different way. And sometimes there's a pressure that goes along with it. I'll use a really cheesy illustration, okay? Um, <laughs> when I was a kid, you know, being a pastor's kid, like I remember when I was a kid going to the Bible bookstore, which sounds funny now because there's not bookstores anymore, and you can really get a Bible anywhere online. But anyway, there were Bible bookstores that were just like specifically Bibles, Christian books, Christian music, and Christian trinkets, okay? We'll just leave it at that. But like, is that not funny to anybody? Sorry. You know what I'm talking about. You remember like the cheesy stuff. Come on. And I remember there was these stickers and even t-shirts that I saw when I was a kid, and it said, go against the flow. And it was this picture or this drawing of like, you know the little Christian fish that's on the back of people's cars? It's swimming this way, and there's all these other big fish that are swimming this way. And I always thought it was like the cheesiest thing. But what's funny about it is I've actually kind of held on to that mental image in my head because the way that the world does things creates this flow of life. There's a stream of life where the world is moving in this direction. And it's not just the people of this world or the habits or the ways of thinking of this world. Everything around it, in the same way that if all the fish are swimming in this direction, the current goes that way, we as Christians oftentimes find ourselves living in a world where the stream and the current and the people are going that way and God is calling us to go this way. That's a kind of resistance that we all face. We're all familiar with that. But then 
Finally, here's another thing. Just a third one real quick. Another kind of resistance that we'll face is we are sometimes unable to turn loose of sinful lifestyles or even the regrets of our past. Sometimes we can be so burdened down with guilt that we're unwilling to turn loose of the past so that we can move into God's bright future for our lives. Sometimes we're so unwilling to do that and it doesn't allow us to step into God's future for our life. Now, another side of that is sometimes because of those patterns of the world, we find it difficult to let go of the sinful lifestyles that we were caught up in before we came into a relationship with Jesus. But we have to choose, not by the power of the flesh, but empowered by the Holy Spirit of God, to let go of those lifestyles, to turn loose of those ways of thinking, those mindsets, and step in to a new way of doing things. Swim against the tide. Instead of taking the path of least resistance, embrace the uphill climb into God's best for our lives. Now, I told you we were going to look at the same thing of the upward call in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul understood this because he lived it himself. And when we talk about embrace or letting go of our sinful nature and even letting go of the regrets of the past, the Apostle Paul understood that I can't go forward until I reconcile the past. I have to be able to let go of my past if I want to go forward. And he even wrote about it in 1 Timothy. And I want to read this passage of Scripture to you because as Paul was talking to Timothy, he comes right out and talks about his own regrets and the places that he's been. And there are other places in the New Testament that tell us about Paul's past, that tell us about Paul's mistakes. But here Paul's talking about himself and all the things that he's done wrong. He's giving instruction to young Timothy. And this is what he says, 1 Timothy 1 and verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now listen to this. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. So he says these three things. I was a blasphemer. I spoke out against the name of Jesus, against the name of God. I literally spoke out in resistance against the movement of Jesus. He said I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. He persecuted the early church. Listen, there are a lot of people that would even call the Apostle Paul a murderer in his previous life because of the role that he played in the persecution and even killing of the early church Christians. He's saying, that's something that's in my past. I was a persecutor. And then finally, I was an insolent man. If you look at that word in the original writings, what it means is it means I was proud and I was outspoken about it. I was quite sure of who I was. I was arrogant. I was proud about my identity as a blasphemer, as a persecutor, and somebody who was against the church of Jesus Christ. And he goes on in the second half of verse 13, and he says, But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord Jesus was exceedingly abundant. How many people have a story like that? Man, the grace of God was exceedingly abundant in my life with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying, and I love what Paul says here. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. Paul's saying, listen, you think your past is bad? Let me tell you about mine. I was the worst of all sinners. Not only was I like somebody who just actually committed sins, but I was against the church of Jesus Christ. I spoke out against, I acted against, and I was proud of who I was. I was the worst kind of sinner. I think if Paul could say something of encouragement to us today, he'd be like, you think your life was bad, you should have seen what mine looked like. Because we all have to have a past. We all have a past, but in order to step into what God has for us, we have to be able to reconcile the past and step into the future. So how do we do that? 
We talked about this passage of scripture just a few weeks ago, and I don't want to spend too much time here today, but it's so important that we catch this. Philippians chapter 3. If somebody who was an expert in your field of business, maybe someone that needed to encourage you when it comes to relationships or in your marriage or in some other skill of life, someone who had mastered that craft, if they came to you and they said, here's the one thing that you need to know, wouldn't you stop and listen and take note? That's what the Apostle Paul says right here. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ also laid hold of me. He's talking about the path and the prize at the end of this life. Verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended it, but one thing I do. There's this one thing. If there's one thing I can tell you, if there's one thing you need to know, it's this one thing. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching toward those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, there's so much to say about this, and many of you, you're very, very familiar with this passage. But he said, if there's one thing you need to know, if there's one thing that I do, I forget what's behind, and I reach for what's ahead. Here's what's really cool about this. If you look in the original writings, when you see that word forget, it literally means to neglect or to forsake. Now, I want you to think about that word neglect for just a moment. That's a pretty bad word, really. The word neglect has nothing but bad connotations because what we think about is like a neglected pet or even worse, maybe a neglected child. Someone who is not given the attention that they need. They're malnourished. They're undercared for. They're underlooked after. They don't get the attention that they properly need. That's a neglected person, a neglected pet, a neglected child. And what the Apostle Paul is saying here is not neglect in a bad way, but instead neglect in a good way. You are to neglect. Don't give attention to what's behind you. Instead, turn and reach for what's in front of you. Now, I love that idea because when I think about my past, it's not something I want to give attention to. So here's the thing. When it comes to your past, when it comes to your sins, when it comes to your mistakes, and when it comes to your regrets, stop giving attention to the past that's behind you because it doesn't deserve your attention. Stop nourishing the memories of your past. Stop giving attention to the memory of where you've been. Stop giving attention and nourishment to the sins of the past. Let it go. Forget it. Forsake it. Neglect it. Let it die. Because it's behind you. And instead, reach for what's ahead. Now, it's the English, actually, in the Bible here, it's the English that says reach for what's ahead. But here's what's really cool about this. If you read this in the original writings in the Greek, there's actually not a word here for reach. What it literally says, if you were to read this in the Greek, it says, I forget, I forsake, I neglect what's behind, turning to what's ahead. I turn unto what's ahead. Do you know what that is? That's a biblical picture of repentance. Before Jesus came, it was John, the voice crying in the wilderness. And what did he say? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. See, for a lot of us, when we think about this picture and this concept of repentance, we think, oh yeah, repent. That's what I did when I accepted Jesus. That's what I did when I asked him to forgive me of my sins, when I said yes to him. But here's the deal. Repentance is not something we do one day at one time back then. Repentance is something that I do every single day of my life. Because without the power of the Holy Spirit living right here, leading me and guiding me, I am prone to falling back into the ways of my sinful, worldly, fallen nature. Paul says, i got to reconcile all that behind me if I'm going to reach for everything that's in front of me. 
And what I love about that picture is after he says this one thing, I forget what's behind, I reach or I turn toward what's ahead. He finishes it out by saying, I press toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And we maintain that same thing that we see all the way back in Proverbs chapter 15, that the road of life will wind upward. The call of God for our lives is always upward. And it might have its fair share of resistance, but if we will embrace it, we'll find ourselves stronger as the journey goes on. I see that it's a climb that's in front of me. Now, I only have a couple more things today, but I want to look at two other passages of Scripture that help us to embrace, that help us to embrace the resistance and the climb toward the upward call of God. Because Paul illustrates perfectly right there the same thing that the Apostle Paul was talking about. Remember, he says, the path of life, the road of life winds upward that we may escape the hell below, but we're here in the middle on earth. He says, there's a bright future that God has for me. There's a past that I have to leave behind. So here I am in the middle, and I have to make the decision. Am I going upward and onward and forward, or am I going to go back to the path of least resistance and let it take me down into the destruction? Paul says, stop giving your past the attention it doesn't deserve and your sin the attention it doesn't deserve. But if you go on later and look at more of Paul's writings, Hebrews chapter 12, if you want to turn there really quickly, Paul says something really cool that will encourage us in our path and in our road and journey of following Christ. You know, in Hebrews 11, he talks about, you know, the faith hall of fame. He says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And then he talks about all these heroes of the faith where it says, by faith they did this and by faith they did that. By the time he gets to Hebrews chapter 12, this is what he says in verse 1. Therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by so, so great a cloud of witnesses. That's talking about all the heroes of faith that have gone before us, that in the heavenly realm are cheering us on. A great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight. Everybody say weight. And the sin, everybody say sin, which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There's a road that's set before us. There's a way, a path that's set before us. But we're not going to be able to get to the end of the journey if we embrace the weight on us all the time, the weight of our past, the weight of our sins, the weight of our regrets. And Paul's talking about this race. You know, life's not really a sprint. It's more of a marathon. Everybody know that? And when we think about how far the journey is, when we look at the resistance that we face, one of the things we have to understand is that while we might not enjoy the resistance, the resistance is making us stronger once we throw off the weights that are holding us back. And Paul says, laying aside every weight. And this reminded me of when I was in eighth grade. Now, when I was in eighth grade, I was on this basketball team, and we were a really good basketball team. We had a couple of, like, real stud players on our team, and the rest of us, we were pretty good. And you might look at me and say, you were a basketball player. This was before everybody got taller than me, okay? But I remember back in the day playing on this basketball team. I think we lost like one game all year long until we got to the playoffs. And there were two guys on our team that every single day when they came to school in the mornings, they would show up for school and they had ankle weights around their ankles. And I watched all these guys, like, throughout the year, the different kinds of workouts and what our practices and our exercise routines looked like. These guys just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger, and their leaping and jumping ability kept growing and growing. And pretty soon, every single one of us on our team are wearing ankle weights to school every day. 
And then not only that, but our coaches recognized that we were doing it also. And so what they began to do was like just basically build the whole practice around the fact that we were all weighted down beyond what our natural weight was because of these ankle weights that we were all wearing. So we would start out practice with our layup lines and our stretches, and then we would scrimmage. We would practice offense. We would practice defense. We would run our sprints. We would do long-distance running for endurance, and we would do all of it with weights around our ankles. And I remember how hard that was in the beginning. But what's funny is I remember getting to game day, and they were very clear about this. Don't wear the ankle weights on, the day, on game days because we want your legs to be fresh. And I remember we would get to game day, and we would get out there for layup lines, and it felt like you had springs in your shoes <laughs> because the weight had been lifted. You felt stronger. Your ankles, your legs, everything felt stronger, along with the endurance that you've been building up throughout the week. Now, I know that that illustration, you might take that and say, well, hold on, are you saying that we're supposed to carry the weight and the burdens of the past? No, but there are many of us that we carry those weights and those burdens and regrets of our past for so long that we don't even realize how free we're going to be when we're willing to lay it down and reconcile it and walk into the future that God has for us. See, there's a lot of people that you're going to come into the house of God on a Sunday and you're going to be encouraged in worship when you experience the presence of God. And you're going to be encouraged by the word. But guess what? When you begin to take this word and put it into action in your life and you lay aside the weight and the cares and the regrets and the sin and the mistakes of this world, what you're going to find is that God will enable you to run in such a way that you feel like you are stronger, like you are more able, and that you can move at such a greater speed than you ever had before. Why? Because we're casting off the weight that has been holding us back. And here's the thing, if the call of God is an uphill climb in our life, you're not going to be able to do it if you continue to hold on to all of that weight. But if you lay it down, what you'll find is that you are so much stronger than you think you are. And it's not because your own fleshly strength, it's the strength of the Spirit of God that lives inside of you that says reconcile the past and walk into the future that I have for you. God has way better plans than you have for yourself. God has a way better future than you have planned for yourself right now. If you think life is good, you can't even get your head around how great eternity is going to be. But we have to reconcile what's behind us and step into the future that God has for us. I love what he says there. He says, let us lay aside every weight. And then he goes on and he says, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. I think it's important to stop right here for just a moment and, and really just talk about this. The sin that so easily ensnares us. That word ensnares, it indicates that there's a trap that's being, being set for us. And we've all seen what it's like, a trap for an animal, hunters who are setting out traps. It stops them in their tracks. It stops them right there where the place where they put their foot into that trap. For a lot of us, the sin of our life, the way in which we've compromised in our life is keeping us in this one place on the journey when God is calling us to go further. Paul says, lay aside the weights and lay aside the sin." I think one of the greatest reasons why a lot of us as Christians don't see the growth that we want or the growth that the scripture promises us is because we're unwilling to let go of sinful lifestyles that ensnare us and keep us right here when God is calling us to continue going forward. Does that make sense to everybody? Pastor and I have been talking about a verse of scripture that's God, we feel really strongly like that was kind of spoken to us. You know, in the book of James, James said a double-minded man or woman is unstable in all of their ways. There are a lot of us that are wanting God to take us forward, but we are unwilling to let go of the sinful lifestyles of our past. And it's become this trap. It's become this snare that keeps us right here when God's saying, come on, keep going forward. Can I tell you something? You can't take your next steps forward, onward and upward, until you let go of the weight of the past and the sin lifestyle, the sinful lifestyles of your past either. 
God's calling you out of it. You might think that right now that thing that feels good, that's pleasurable for a season, is something that you can't let go of. You have no idea how wonderful the future that God has for your life is. Let go of it. Turn loose of it. Let go of it. Turn loose of it. The weights, the sins that hold us back and trap us in the middle of the journey. Finally, James chapter 1. This is James writing. It's not the Apostle Paul, but James says, James 1, verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Isn't that a great sentence? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. How many of you, when you fall into a trial, you just stop and say, God, I know that this is just going to be a joyful experience. It's all going to be okay. Everything's going to be cool. I'm just stopping right here. I'm taking a deep breath. And you know what? This isn't going to be so bad. This is actually going to be fun, this trial that's in front of me. No, trials aren't fun. Trials are resistance. And trials come in a lot of different forms. Sometimes it's the enemy who's against us, who's put schemes and traps in front of us, and it's a trial that we have to walk through. Sometimes it's choosing not to conform to the ways of this world, and guess what? Other times, it's our own mistakes. But when you face these trials, count it all joy. That's a pretty easy thing to say, right? But then you actually got to go and live it out. Verse 3, count it all joy, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work. You know what's funny about patience is everybody wants patience as long as it doesn't take very long to get it. (laughs) Everybody wants patience as long as it doesn't take very long to get it. But know that through these trials, your faith produces patience. And let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking Nothing. Do you know what he's saying here? He's saying, you look at these trials, you look at the weight, you look at the sin that ensnares you, and you say, this is going to be difficult. This is a path of resistance, and it's an uphill climb. But what you don't realize is that if you will embrace the resistance, persevere, cast off the weight, and get past the sin, there is strength that awaits you on the other side. And what I see in this is it's like the person who wants to do competitive weightlifting. If you want to get stronger and stronger, then you have to go and go and build more strength by adding weight and more weight and more weight. And so one day you get through it and you get to a place where you look back and say, that was difficult and there was a lot of resistance, but today I'm stronger than I used to be. It's like the person who wants to run a marathon. A marathon is made up of 26 miles. You don't run 20, one mile a day, 26 consecutive days. No, you have to figure out how to do one mile, then two miles, then three miles, then 10 miles, then 20 miles, up to 26 and you know what it's not fun and there's a lot of resistance and sometimes it's going to be painful but when you get to the end of it you look back and you say I'm stronger today than I was then God is calling us forward and we have to reconcile our past so that we can move into the bright future that he has for us and it might be difficult but it's absolutely worth the effort it's worth the resistance this theme that we see throughout scripture God is calling us higher he's calling us upward Today you might be in a place in your life where you look at your life and you're like, God, why does it have to be so hard? I thought that following you was going to make everything easier. It's because God is calling you upward. The call of God that is on your life is not downward easily. It's onward and it's upward. And let me just tell you, when you get to the end of the journey, the reward will be worth it. But you got to be willing to embrace the resistance and embrace the climb, and move into the upward call of God for your life. Amen? I want to pray for you this morning, but before I do that, I don't want you to bow your head just yet. Actually, I just want everybody to see me for just a minute.
There's a lot of us, we don't like to talk about the areas where we struggle. I'm not going to make you talk about it. I'm not going to make you open up in a setting like this. But if I were to ask you where are the areas where you're not moving forward in your walk with God, you know what they are because I know what mine are. And we find ourselves in this place where we look at the resistance and we look at how difficult it's going to be to take our next step and move past the thing that's been hindering us and holding us back. And we say, it's so difficult, I don't know if it's worth it. Guess what? It's worth it. It's worth it because the, the path of life winds upward because God has a great reward and a great purpose for your life. It's going to take some effort, but it's worth it. And if you've been struggling to let go of the past, if you've been struggling to let go of your mistakes, if you've been struggling to let go of regrets, if you've been struggling to let go of lifestyles that are holding you back from God's best for your life, lay it down. Lay it down. Move forward. Reconcile what's behind you. Neglect it. Stop giving it the attention it does not deserve. And step into God's very best for your life. Now would you bow your heads for just a moment. I want to pray two prayers this morning. The first prayer, this is a very private thing. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Just you and God for a moment in a room full of people. If you're here today and you can identify immediately, I mean, it just comes right to the surface. These are the areas where I'm struggling. These are the areas where I've had a hard time letting go of my past, my regrets, my mistakes, maybe even sinful lifestyles. And these things are holding you back from God's future for your life. I want to ask you just to do something bold. Would you just lift your hand? This might be your very first act of getting past that thing. If there's something that's holding you back from God's best for your life and you know what it is, would you just lift your hand nice and high? Come on, this is a private moment. No one's looking around. This is between you and God. Father, I thank you for every single person who has a hand lifted right now. You see the hands that are raised. You see the openness. You see the boldness, the step that they're taking in your direction. God, I pray that you would show them the freedom that lies in front of them on the other side of this difficult decision to let go of the thing that they've had a hard time letting go of. I pray that you would show them the strength that awaits them on the other side, that you would show them the reward that awaits them on the other side. I pray that you would give us the courage and the wisdom and the endurance to go through and make the tough calls in our life so that we can step into your very best. God, you have called each and every one of us to something specific and unique in our lives, and I pray that today we would be willing to make the tough decision to step out of our mistakes, to step out of our regrets, maybe even our sin, to step into your direction and discovered the upward call of God that you have, the path of life that you have for us in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You can put your hands down, but one more time, just with heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. If you're here today and you have never made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to tell you that everything that God promises is still waiting for you on the other side of that decision. You might be here today and when you look at your life and you look at what's going on, not just in the past, but what might be going on right now in your life, you might say, Zach, I'm so unworthy of God's love, God's acceptance, and God's forgiveness. There's good news today. He knew that you weren't worthy of it. That's why he gave us grace and mercy. Scripture tells us that Jesus was God's very best, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God sent to this earth who went to the cross for our sin. Everything that was wrong with us was put on Jesus so that everything that was right about Jesus could be brought into our life. In order for us to experience and accept everything that Jesus offers, all we have to do is believe it with everything inside of us that he died on the cross for our sin as the atoning, the atoning punishment for our sin. But not only that, but that three days later, God raised him from the dead, conquering death and hell and the grave for our sake so that we would not have to face it. 
if we would put our faith in him, if we would confess that with our mouth, and if we would choose to follow him all the days of our life, we could, have, we could experience this thing called salvation and walk into eternity with God. That's you today and you want to make a decision to give your life over to Jesus, to hand him the reins of your life. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. We're all going to pray this together right out loud. All you got to do is speak it right out and mean it with everything inside of you. And you'll walk into a brand new relationship with God. We're going to pray that prayer right now. I want to ask everybody, just repeat these words right after me and say, Dear Jesus, I thank you for going to the cross for me. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you were raised again so that I could be raised to life to have a relationship with you now and throughout eternity. So today I give my life to you. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. I want to learn your ways. Today, tomorrow, and forever. I let go of the past. I reach ahead for what's in front of me. I want to follow you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we just have a few more things that we're going to do in service this morning, but if I can have your attention, this is so important. Please, everybody hang tight till the end of service because this is incredibly important. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we want to help you start your journey. This is not just the end of the old journey, but this is the beginning of the new one. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to give you a simple gift and a simple tool. It's free. It's a small book called The Next Seven Days. We want to put it in your hand, and there's two different ways that you can get it. Right after this service, we're going to have prayer teams. They'll be right down here in front of the platform. There's going to be casual people that are here to help you, to pray with you in any way that they can. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, walk up to one of these prayer teams. Let them know you made a decision. They will give you the book. We don't need anything from you. It's free, but if we can help you in any way, that's why we're here, and we would love to help you. If you need to go quickly at the end of the service, please stop by the next seven days desk. It's right between the glass doors before you exit the building. Let them know you made a decision today and you want to get the book. We'll give it to you again. It's free. We don't need anything from you, but we are here to help in any way that we possibly can. We're so grateful you made that decision. I think you're going to find out it's the best decision that you could ever make in life. Why don't we put our hands together this morning and welcome some new people into God's family. Can we say thank you to Zach for a great message this morning? Thank you, Zach. Now, this is a time of service where we worship God with our giving. And I, I want to talk to you for just a moment about a, a couple of different opportunities that are in front of us right now. But, but before I do, I want to talk to you about the purpose behind our giving. Now, there are a number of reasons from Scripture why we give. Number one, First and foremost, we always give to honor God because he's been so faithful, so good to us. In obedience, we give back to God because he's blessed our lives and he's asked us to honor his house and his work in the earth. So we always give out of obedience and appreciation. But one of the other reasons why we give is to make a difference in our world. You know, I, I told you last week uh, that uh, Anne and uh, Sarah Kessler right now are in India doing ministry there, doing women's ministries. I've been texting with her even this morning. They're having a great time. God's doing some great things there. Our giving is allowing them to make a difference in a nation halfway around the world. But, you know, summertime here at the bridge is a great time because we do our youth weekend, summer weekend. We do our summer kids day camp, which we had just a couple weeks ago. Great events. 
But coming up two weeks from this weekend is our biggest outreach of the year, which is our back to school bash. When you came through the doors today, you should have received some invitation cards announcing what's coming up at back to school bash. And I want to talk to you about back to school bash for just one moment. At that weekend, a week, uh, two weeks from yesterday, actually, on the 3rd of August, we'll be giving away 2,000 backpacks to children and high school kids who are in need, who, who need help going back to school. Not just backpacks, they're jammed full of school supplies. We also give away gently used clothing. We do haircuts. They'll do hundreds of haircuts for kids who are going back to school. There's a lot that happens. We have a pancake breakfast. I mean, a lot of people will be serving that day. I'm going to tell you something. It just touches your heart to see hundreds of people lined up all the way around this building waiting to get backpacks for their school-aged kids. It's an awesome sight. And we do that as a church. And this year, we decided to expand that in a little different direction. Um, many of you know Charles Graham, who's been connected with the Bridge Church going back to the very beginning when it was New Covenant Fellowship. Charles Graham is a traveling minister who now lives in the state of Arkansas. And, and I want to do this quickly, so let me talk fast and listen quickly, okay? Charles lives in a very small town in the southeastern part of Arkansas in a very depressed area. The schools there a few years ago got so bad that they put the schools on probation because the grades were so bad throughout the schools. Charles found out about it and he decided to get involved and work with the teachers and help provide tools that would help them. And so for the past couple of years, Charles has been raising money to get backpacks and school supplies for those kids. Now, the cool thing is elementary school and high school there are probably only, you know, five, six hundred students in the whole school system. But Charles working with them over the past two or three years, they've been able now to get that school off of academic probation. And now things are starting to turn around. So Charles was telling me this story and I thought, you know, as we as the Bridge Church are reaching out to our community, why don't we reach out halfway across the country and why don't we help Charles Graham make a difference in a community in southeastern Arkansas to help raise some children out of poverty to a no way of thinking, a new way of life, help educate them and get them going forward in life. So I told Charles, you know what? The Bridge Church will help buy your backpacks this year. So we're buying about 450 some backpacks to help them all the way back there in Arkansas. So I want to encourage you today. We don't Maybe two or three times a year, we receive special offerings or we encourage you to give to special projects. This is one of those Sundays. As you give today, I want to encourage you. You can make a donation, not just of your regular tithes and offerings, but if you want to join me in giving an offering, make it to Community Care. If it's on your app, if you give online, or if you're filling out an envelope, just write that particular part of the offering into Community Care. And we're going to make a difference in our community and halfway across the country in a little town in southeast Arkansas. And as God turns your heart today, and I'll be talking about it more next week, just respond to what God puts in your heart today, okay? Father, thank you for the honor of giving. And now we hear your voice. We see this opportunity to make a difference, not just around the world, but across the country and in our own community. We give to you today, thanking you for your faithfulness in our lives. Bless our giving in Jesus' name. Amen.
Please stay seated until we're finished this morning. As the ushers are coming, let's watch church news together. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Bridge. My name is Adrian, and I want to give you a very special welcome today. We hope that you enjoy your morning in church and that you and your family have a wonderful time with us. Throughout the summer, we want to help you stay connected in the coming weeks. Here's a look at what's happening in the days ahead. We hope that you'll find your place and be a part of what God is doing here at The Bridge. Connecting Point is coming up on Sunday, August 4th during the 1130 service. If you are new to The Bridge or looking to get plugged in, Connecting Point is the first place to go. Come and hear about the heart, mission, and vision of The Bridge Church, but most importantly, discover where you fit in. We would love to meet you and help you find your place. If you'd like to join us, just sign up before you go today at the Info Center. You can also sign up on our website, thebridgechurch.tv, or through the Bridge app. We hope you'll join us on August 4th at Connecting Point. We want to invite you to join us for a trip of a lifetime to the Holy Land. This 10-day tour of Israel will take place in June 2020, and it's complete with a messianic Israeli guide, deluxe hotel accommodations, and the best Middle Eastern food you can imagine. Whether your passion is to walk in the footsteps of Jesus or visit the most famous biblical locations, our tour is suitable for every type of travel. We journey from Caesarea by the sea to Mount Carmel, the Sea of Galilee, the Dead Sea, and even to Masada. Our journey concludes in the city of Jerusalem where you will walk the Via Dolorosa. We'll visit the Western Wall, journey to Golgotha, and conclude with a moving communion service at the Garden Tomb. And also, while we're there, you're gonna have the opportunity to worship on the Sabbath with a Christian congregation in Israel. So if you're interested in joining us on this amazing trip, please sign up at the Information Center and then watch for our informational meeting to come in the next few weeks. Our desire at The Bridge is for everyone to know others and be known. If you have a desire to build deeper relationships with others and facilitate spiritual growth in a smaller setting, then we want you to consider being a leader of a connect group. On Sunday, August 11th, we will be having a connect group leader training to prepare for our fall term. Returning leaders will be meeting at 1045 in the chapel for a brief refresher. Those who are interested in becoming a new leader will be gathering at 1 p.m. in the chapel for a training. If you would like to find out more about leading a connect group, please sign up on the church website, our app, or stop by the info center on your way out. We would love to meet with you and see you lead a connect group this fall at the bridge. you to stop by the info center before you go today. Take a few minutes to come and say hi. Our team would love to meet you and help you get connected in church life. They can also answer any questions that you might have about the church. For more general info and to stay up to date, be sure to check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. You can also stay plugged in by downloading the Bridge app. Just text keywords, the Bridge Church app to 77977. 
Thanks again for spending your morning with us. Have a wonderful Sunday. Hey, one more time, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed the service. Have a great, great Sunday. And before you run, if you have children who are going from fifth grade to sixth grade the next school year, they're having a meeting right now in the youth center because your children will be transitioning over into the youth department and Bridge Youth. So parents, stop by there for a few minutes. They'll be waiting for you there. God bless you. Feeling fire from the inside